0: You're listening to Sports Connections with David Smale, the show that brings you a fun and intimate look into connections throughout sports. Now here's your host, David Smale.
1: Putting your money where your mouth is has rarely been evidenced more than in the life of Alec Lemon. Lemon was a national caliber youth soccer player who got burned out with the win at all costs attitude of the U.S. soccer community. But that didn't stop his passion for using soccer as part of his personal story. In a master's class on organizational leadership at mid American Naz- Nazarene University. He was asked what his dream job would be, and he responded that it would be to use soccer to make an impact with the youth of the greater Kansas City area. His professor challenged him to put wheels under that dream, and, to, and the result is TOCA FC, an organization which serves kids in the inner city and in the suburbs. If you'd like to be inspired, you will love to hear this story. So Alec, welcome to Sports Connections. Thanks, Dave. Excited to be here. Let's start with the values of Toka FC and why there was a need for a club like yours.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, I kind of grew up in Kansas City, kind of in the youth soccer world um, and uh, had a a great experience in a lot of ways and some really great coaches, Um, but the pressure I put on myself and just kind of the the travel that I did and and just the competitive environment. Um, I think I lost, I lost motivation for it because I lost sight of what was most important. Soccer became my identity and became something that was, um, kind of where I found meaning and purpose. And it really just couldn't, soccer isn't sports, isn't really designed to, um, carry the full weight of our meaning and purpose in life and so I kind of lost motivation in the sense of I was like okay even if I as I was playing with like the youth national team and and experiencing a lot of success there and playing at the highest level I could you know at 14 you can play uh, I was like I just don't feel happier I don't feel more fulfilled um, now that I've experienced this and so you know, it seems kind of crazy to think that you know a fourteen-year-old or a fifteen-year-old could almost feel like I need to retire because I'm burned out. You know, yeah. but that's actually where I was at, um, and it was just because my values got um, disorganized. You know, uh, I started prioritizing soccer over my faith and and so many things. And so, um, while I took a step back from soccer and kind of took a few a year off or so, I. I still wanted to play. And as I kind of reorganized my life and my values, I came back to it and began to play again. But to some extent, you know, I, I didn't reach nearly my potential um, because I burned out. I kind of got my values mixed up. And so um, later on, going on to college and having a good experience there um, I realized like, man, there I wish I could have had a coach or a mentor that would have helped to, prioritize and organize my life better so that I could have reached a higher level without um, compromising on my values and so uh, when I was in college at, at mid-American Nazarene um, and then in graduate school for my MBA we had to put together like a, a business plan for something and I thought you know I love coaching and, and soccer and but how could I create an experience that in a sense would be, you know what would i wished what do i wish would have existed when i was a youth that would have helped me to to succeed and so um that's kind of the the basis of figuring out okay how do we create a club that has values that keeps kids and families grounded in the right things but allows them to work towards their potential in soccer if that's something they love and they want to do and so um that's kind of the the basis of, of figuring out how do we how do we set values for people that ground them but allow them to pers- to still pursue excellence so
1: talk about those values the, the core values of Coca mm-hmm. fc
0: yeah so our values are faith family and football so in that order in that order yeah and the order is very important right so um the faith part comes back to it's really about a worldview. So our worldview is based in a, in a Christian worldview. It's, it's a worldview based on um, every person is made in the image of God and they have value and they have purpose apart from their um, ability to perform on the field. They have value, you know, and that was something that was missing in my experience was, and this isn't any coach's fault. Um, this is really my interpretation of my experience that, that caused the problem, which was, you know, the more I succeeded in soccer, the more people focused on that. The more they um, praise me for my performance, and so I began to develop this mindset that my value was based in my performance, and so that created a lot of pressure and a lot of anxiety around performance. Um, but a world, but a but a, a faith worldview, a Christian worldview would say, um, No, no, no. God made you in His image. You're like you know, a child of God. And so your value is, is being made in his image. And therefore that's where your value is. It's an unshakable value. It can't be changed. It's not lost. It's you are valuable, you know? And so uh, that framework gives you a solid foundation of, I'm not going to lose my, my sense of worth. If I have a bad game, no, this is just sports is something I do something I enjoy, but is not who I am. And so that worldview is important. Um, that faith worldview is there. And then from there, the next thing would be family. And that really is, is a is a value that's connected to the importance of relationships. Relationships are more important than you know your performance on, on the field or things like that. Like how you treat people is really what matters. And so um, for me, the the key there is is you know the, the first commandment in the Bible is to love the Lord of God. Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all your mind. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so there you see kind of a two-step value system where okay, we have this worldview of God exists, that He's kind of the authority in the world that every single person is valuable because God is the ultimate authority who made everybody. So he gets he's in charge. So ultimately, even if people say you're not valuable. It doesn't really matter because God says you're valuable. And so there's that framework. And then the second part is if everyone's valuable, then how we treat people is very, very important. Because, you know, if, if you have something valuable, say you have a really expensive car, um, you don't just um, treat it poorly and scrape it and mess it up like you value it. You know, anything that's of value, you you respect it. That's kind of how we know it's valuable. We, we respect it. And so around the in our lives, like, the most important thing after God that we value and respect is other people. And so that's a core framework and that, and that builds out to a core value of treating people well, but then your family is really important. The people that you need to prioritize the most are the people that are closest to you, that you right. have the closest relationship with the, the people you're truly responsible for are your own family. And you need to take, you know, that seriously, that responsibility. Um, but then also at the club, it's about creating a, environment at the club where we treat people like family, although we're not, you know, blood family, we, we kind of create a family environment and that's important. And then the third value is, is football, which is like, you know, it's always this big debate. Do we use, do we use the word soccer or do we use football? But I think in America, we kind of, we use both all the time. Um, and so we kind of, we kind of go back and forth, but uh,
1: and you it know, doesn't it, make for as good a slogan faith, family, soccer. <laughs> as family football so I exactly
0: my... exactly so yeah so we use that and and really there the value there is connected to um kind of the idea in in first corinthians uh 10 which says whatever you do whether eating or drinking do all to the glory of god and so i think we do things to the glory of god when we do it well and then we give god the credit that's really giving glory to god i think if we do things poorly and then try to put it on God. It's, it's kind of silly. You know, it's not, I don't know if that's his honoring. I think we should try to do things really well. And then we should kind of have the humility to say like, you know, my ability to think and to run and to play is not something I earned. I didn't earn the ability to look the way I look or run the way I run. Like in large part, it is a gift from God that you have any athletic ability. And so um, that, that third one is just about doing doing things well. And so the way that translates to life would be, you know, even after you're done playing soccer, you have this framework of worldview that connects to your faith, that connects to how you treat people and your sense of morality and ethics and and things like that, which should play out in your work life and adult life. And a focus on family and creating family environments is important for your whole life. And then when you're done playing soccer, it's important that you do your work well, and to have humility in your work. Um, and so I think all those things translate to a life after soccer, you know, and so
1: and I don't want, I want to go back to the to the first one a little bit, you and I've known each other for several years. And and you've told me before that you don't require kids to sign a, a statement of faith before they before they join your club, you're no, trying no. to, you're trying to Uh, bring these values in, in hopes that if they don't have that relationship, if they don't have good relationships in their family, if they don't have even the idea of doing anything with doing everything they do with excellence, that you're going to try and teach them that through the sport of soccer. So it's not a, it's not an exclusive club to Christian kids. You're using that as a platform. Yeah,
0: no, I mean, and and honestly, it's, I'm kind of giving you like, a look behind the curtain, so to speak of, of what's driving. And, and all these things are on our website, but most people come to our club um, because they had a positive experience with a coach or they had a positive experience with one of their friends is in the club. And it, it was, it was a positive experience that felt like these people care about us. Um, These people have their, they have a uh, like a a worldview and a system of, of thinking and reasoning that, is trustworthy because it's sort of set, it's stable, you know, and a lot of people, I think we're, what we're needing in our society more is, um, institutions that we can trust because they actually live out their values. And, And to some extent, I don't, I don't think a lot of the people really read our website. I think they, um, experience in part what we're talking about through just you know, being on the teams. That's the goal is that they don't really need to, we don't have to tell them all the time. Hey, this is, it's more so something they experience in the context of, of just being a part of it and interacting with people.
1: It it Uh, goes back to the old saying in all you do preach the gospel. If all else fails, use words. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the hope. I mean, I think we do that better some days than other days, but overall, that's, that's the goal to do it that way um, where it's, it's attractive. Um, the worldview and the mindset and the values are attractive to people of all people because everybody wants to be respected and valued. Um, and we don't like it's a it's this baseline framework of every single person is valuable because God made them. It doesn't, yeah. it's not like, oh, and if you're a Christian, you're more valuable. Like, no, right, right. Everyone is valuable, everyone's important, yeah. and that's that's kind of our basis. So
1: I talked about in the introduction that it was um, it, that this was an inspiring story. And one of my favorite parts of the story is what I alluded to with your with your professor um, mm-hmm. saying. Why don't you do this? So go back to the beginning of this and talk about how you put this plan, put it first, put it together and then put it into action.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think um, something that's important is like. So yes, once you've set the values, then it's a matter of, and I think that's the first step with anything, whether, um, in your life or, um, any business or, or organization is to set the values. Cause then the values set the practice, how then should we live based on these core values? And so for me, like, um, I grew up in a big family where we all played soccer. Um, but my parents were, um, you know, not able to, like, we needed help in order for me to have a lot of the soccer experiences that I had. I had to have, um, I had to get scholarship for different teams or people had to help us out because we had six kids and, you know, a lot going on and it was yeah. tough. And so uh, I got, ex- I got experience playing soccer at a high level and that opened up doors for um, college and beyond Because really coaches just uh, like saw potential in me and wanted to invest in me, even though my parents were, had to really be convinced that, okay, you need to let him play because he's got talent, even though financially and just time-wise, they were like, I don't know if we can do this. Like coaches, um, specifically Coach J. Mike Safe, really worked hard to convince um, my dad that he needed to let me play kind of more competitive soccer and he wasn't convinced at first. And so... I think for me, when I started one of the, when we started TOCA was like, how do I go out and find those kids that normally don't participate in the, the club soccer scene? Because, you know, American soccer exists in a, in a fee for service, pay to play system as you know, and there's nothing wrong with that, but um, that limits who gets to participate. And so I wanted to go out and find other kids that were like me or, or or just not in the normal system of youth soccer and try to reach out to them because i think our one one of our most underdeveloped um if if human beings are our most valuable asset in the world which i believe that is you know more so than anything else because because of the potential of a human being and what they can do creative wise and and just how they can think and how they can strategize and how they can problem solve like human beings are without a doubt like the most valuable way for us to um, develop new things, more valuable than just pure money, you know? And so we have a huge underdeveloped resource in our inner cities because a lot of the kids there are not being given opportunities. They're not being given, they're not being developed and mentored um, in the way that would help them to, to contribute to society at the maximum level. And so I wanted to, to find a way to do that. And so in my, Class, you know, they were we were talking about our why. We were talking about um, what we wanted to do, and and she kind of asked like, hey, like you know, if money didn't matter, what would you do with your life? You know, how would you invest it? And I was like, well, I think I really love coaching. I love mentoring. I love soccer, and I love helping kids like me. You know, when I was growing up, actually develop their talent. Um, And so I wanted to invest in youth and in at risk kids kind of. And so she was like, well, you know, try to do something then. And so I was like, okay, well, okay. How do I take like the first step towards investing in kids? And so I just basically took a drive through KCK in my car and just like, let's go down there and see what this landscape kind of looks like this environment. And so I drove by this, abandoned tennis court. And I saw three kids out there playing soccer. And I was like, Oh, maybe I'll just go out there. And so I, I went out there and just, they're playing soccer. So we're juggling, we're kicking the ball around. I started showing them a few just soccer tricks and whatnot. And they were like, we're kind of playing a little two on two and whatnot. And then one of the kids is like, are you a soccer player? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I play, you know, cause I just finished playing at mid America. And he's like, they were like, are you a coach? And I was like, yeah, I just kind of became a coach. I'm just in that process of starting (laughs) that, I I
1: guess.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then, um, he was like, we need a coach. (laughs) And then the other kid promote. that was Don promotes like, and we need a team too. Can you help us get a team? Can we join a team? And so I was like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I'm just like, I'm just, just drove down here. I'm not really sure what I'm doing, you know? Um, and I kind of talked to them a little bit and I had a ball with me in the car. So I gave him a ball and, and, um, it's like, I'll see you guys around maybe, you know? And so that was pretty much it. And um, three months later, I was in KCK again and helping out with an organization called Mission Adelante in KCK. And so I was just driving my car and then down the street. And then these three kids started yelling after me, hey, 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 Coach Alec, Coach Alec. And I, so I pulled over and stopped. And it was those same three boys, um, Don, Sanjok, and Promote. And they were like, Hey, what's up? We, we still need a coach. You want to coach us? And I was like, wow, this is crazy. Um, I felt like kind of a God moment of like, okay, there's a real need here. There's, and God must want me to do something here um, because these kids are literally hunting me down, you know? And so, uh, I just kind of started to develop a relationship with those boys. They, um, just kind of come down every once in a while and and kick around with them or play them and just sort of teach them the basics. And all during this time, like I'm also helping to develop TOCA, which is in, in mostly Olathe and we've got kids there. And so that's growing. And I'm seeing these three kids that are incredibly motivated to learn and to grow. And when I come down and spend a little time with them, I see them getting better and improving. And I'm like, wow, this is great. You know, these kids really are motivated. And so, you know, over time I just said like, well, okay, if you guys want a team, just, you know, invite some other kids, we got to make a team, you know, it's up to you guys basically. And so pretty soon I come down there and there's 15, 20 kids showing up at the park with the, all these kids of, re- you know, Don, Sandra can promote have, have recruited. And we started to build a team and then a couple teams. And, um, so it just kind of grew from there. Um, and to kind of, more and more teams and and yeah so it just kind of just continued to invest in them. those boys are all now in college um so they've kind of grown up um but it's pretty pretty crazy how how that that side of it happened
1: and, and i know that the inner city is is not the primary focus it's more of an outreach for toka which is yeah it's mostly in the suburbs but there's you left out a part of the story, and I, I'm not trying to edit you here. Oh, yeah, but, edit me. But it's part of the story that I just love hearing, and that's the fact that these kids. Uh, if, I think you said they were all Himalayan. They're all Nepali. Okay, Nepali.
0: So, yeah, yeah. So basically, yeah, they're 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 um, kind of, Bhutanese speaking Nepalis. So there was kind of like this this issue in Nepal and Bhutan where. Um, people like got stuck in these UN camps in between just because of the kind of a mixture of racial tension and country tension. And so um, they kind of got kicked out and then stuck in the middle. And so the U S started to absorb. them. So there's a, there's a big Nepali community in Kent Ken city, Kansas. Um,
1: okay. And, and the, this team that you formed and these kids were probably 11, 12 years old. Yeah. You eventually yeah. took them to the national nepalese soccer tournament against adult teams and you guys you know with with young kids did fairly well to tell that story
0: yeah yeah so um we i mean there's uh, so many stories i could tell over the years so but yeah so um so don and sonic remote are all nepali and so they're very involved in in the nepali community um and so a lot of these different ethnic groups in the U S have sort of national tournaments. And so there's a national tournament. um, It's all Nepalese that, that is in different States. And so, yeah, so they helped um, organize and put together a team and then they needed someone to coach them. And so um, I was like, yeah, I can help you guys, but yeah, it's really cool. I mean, they, they're, they've really become, you know, a big thing for Toka is helping kids become leaders. That's a really Mm -hmm. big thing. Um, and so a lot of the kids, you know, they have ideas that they want to do, but they need help. They need a little bit of mentoring to make that happen. And so the boys came to me and said, Hey, we want to, we want to put together a team we want to go to the national tournament. And so, um, we worked together. Obviously, if you want to take a group of, you know, 17, 18 guys to another state, you've got to, find the funds you've got to rent buses and vans and all these different things but they did all of that they they organized they kind of went to their to their own nepali community community and put together a letter saying hey we want to take this team of youth to this national tournament represent kansas city you know in nepali community um and so they put together letters and we went around to different businesses and talked to people and got got funds together to you know bus all these you know kids out there and have food and get the hotels and, and play in the tournament, which was really the main thing, you know, of the tournament is to to do all the logistics of it is quite a bit of work, you know? Right. And so they were going, we're all high school kids um, playing against um, the men, you know? Um, but yeah, they did great. I think they won the, maybe the first two games and then lost, you know, and in, in the, semis or something like that so but they did great and they do that um, pretty consistently they put together a group now and 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 organize it all and and take them out there you know and it's it's really cool to see them i think it's helped their confidence a lot you know um they actually hosted a tournament here in kansas city a national tournament where they were the primary host which was really cool so i helped them with that like getting referees and getting fields reserved and all these things. So they brought in all these teams and these are like just high school kids, which is insane, but like, yeah, they're just, they're just confident growing up to be strong, confident kids that have an idea and they're just like, yeah, I'm going to go do it, you know? Um, And that's really pretty exciting, you know? And I, I wouldn't say that, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to take credit for, for them um, I think I've tried to encourage them and help them but really they, they're just special kids you know and that's kind of the theory that I started with at the beginning like there's really great talent that we have in our inner cities leadership talent and potential that is just not it needs a little bit of a help to, to every person needs a mentor they need someone to encourage them in order for them to reach their potential and that's really all I did I came alongside these kids and said, Hey, let me help you. You know, I'm not going to do all the work, but if if you need a mentor, you need someone to help you. Like, I'll help you. You know, and they, over the years, they've recruited. You know, last 10 years, they recruited all these kids to to join to what we call Toka City, um, and they were the ones who, you know, came to me and said, Hey, we want to put together a team and travel to this event, or Hey, we want to host a tournament here and bring in. You know, Nepalis from all over the country to Kansas City to play in a tournament, and I was like, "Yeah, well, I, maybe I can connect you with someone that can do the rest, or I can help you with getting the facilities or this." But I'm not going to be able to do all of it. Um, You know, you're going to have to do the scheduling of the games and things like that. But I think it's been a huge. You know, I think a lot of times people think of inner city as like, you know, the kids that are starving on the streets and they're poor and and they're just you know, you know, helpless. It's not really the reality. Uh, it, it's more so, you know, in America that it's not, I mean, there is poverty and there is hunger issues, um, but we have a lot of great programs out there for people. I think the pain of poverty is mostly just the status of being at the bottom. It, it has yeah. a psychological effect on you that is demoralizing, um, yeah. that is discouraging, that, that you struggle to actualize your potential when you feel like I'm kind of at the bottom on the social status thing. And that, that has a psychological effect on you that is, that is really negative. Like even if you give people everything they need, you know, a lot of the kids in inner cities, they have computers from the school and sometimes they even have cell phones and they have a lot of, I mean, they're actually in a better place than say, you know, in a lot of ways, they're in a better place than the kings of, you know, the Bible time or something like that. They actually have transportation and they have all these things. They have physical needs that people of high status 3,000, 2,000 years ago don't have. But what, but the poverty is like the lack of meaningful relationships, the lack of caring adults at times in their life that help them reach their
1: potential. And so, and the lack of opportunity.
0: Yeah. It's a combination of, but the opportunity is, is actually there more than you realize there is opportunity, but the problem is they don't know how to take advantage of the opportunities they've been given because of low self-esteem. If, if what gives you strong self-esteem in large part is meaningful
1: relationships, it's, it's people who care about you, believe you. To, To me, the coolest part of this story is it goes back to the, you know, Give a man a fish, you'll feed him for a, for a day. Teach him how to fish, you'll feed him for a lifetime. You you could have come in and said, okay, I'll raise the funds and we'll you know I'll make sure we've got three adults who are going to drive the vans and we'll, I'll take care of all the housing and all this. And they would have had a good experience. But you came in and you said, okay, well, you'll need to figure out who's driving the van. You'll need to figure out how to pay for it. You'll need to figure out this. You were there guiding them, but you let them figure it out. And they had success. And now they're doing it on their own. And they're still leaning to you for leadership, for mentorship, but they're taking the the brunt of the leadership. And that builds up their self esteem.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's huge. I think, I think um, a, a, a person can be, it's not so much about your physical, you know, you know, how much material wealth you have, it's It's you, your self esteem, and your sense of confidence, and your ability to make something of your life is directly connected to um, the relationships that you have, you know? And so, a big part for us with Toka City is just helping them form meaningful relationships with mentors. And how can we help facilitate them developing healthier relationships with each other? That's really important as well, because Then they can form a, once they form a healthier community, there's more stability there. um, There's more support and, and, and they will make, they can make something of, of their life and and use the resources around them. And so that's
1: massive. Um, Now you've got multiple teams as part of Toka city. You also have multiple teams out in the suburbs. Your goal was never to create a network of teams, a network of programs, training videos, You just wanted to impact kids. So how has that, how has in 10 years, how have you grown from three kids in a, you know, on an abandoned tennis court in Kansas City, Kansas to the program or to the, to the structure that you have now? How does it grow so quickly? Yeah. I mean, so we're in, we're
0: in our 11th year. We started in 2011. Um, So, I mean, we've grown just a little bit every year. I guess. I mean, we just kind of keep growing little by little. And so we have, I knew you were going to ask this question. So I went and checked because I didn't (laughs) want to state what our numbers were. I think we are at like over nine, we're at over 900 for kids that are on like a registered team, like assigned to a specific team. So over 900 there, it's over 50 teams. And honestly, if you would have asked me at the beginning, like, you know, and, and then we have other additional programs. So we're well over a thousand kids. So I think if you would have asked me that, hey, do you want to have a thousand kids? I think I would have said, I don't think that's a good idea. I feel like that's probably too many kids. I think we probably couldn't have meaningful relationships with all of these kids. That probably is too big. You know, I, I wouldn't recommend that. But what I've found is like, you, you can because... Kind of in the same way with Jesus, like he only had 12 disciples, right? But it's become a global movement. Why? Because um, basically he, he passed that vision on to other people who bought into that vision. And then they developed meaningful relationships with people. They didn't all have a meaningful relationship with um, each of those 12 disciples. But those disciples had meaningful relationships with other people mentor developed, and they caught the vision and they caught the, what, what it was about. And so it could, could expand and grow. And so that's really the same thing for us. The key is, can we impart the values to our coaches? And can our coaches really get the vision of faith family football? Can they yeah. create a culture where those values are prioritized and guide their leadership structure? And then can parents grab hold of that from the coaches and say, yeah, this is the kind of environment we want to create at our club where faith, family, then football is prioritized in that order that we value people, that we care about people, that we focus on leadership development and empowering people. And so, yes, to my surprise, it can actually grow bigger as more people catch the vision. But I think the key is people not just Um, they have to internalize the values, right? And if they internalize the values, then we can keep growing. Um, But I wouldn't even say the goal is, you know, growth, it really isn't, it's, it's internalization of the values um, approach to leadership in life. And I'm, I'm hopeful that it grows sort of in, in a way that doesn't just grow our brand at TOCA, but other right. clubs and organizations and institutions like latch hold of the the core and maybe the way that happens is through our players basically saying like yeah this institution was so important to me at toka the values they taught me was important and, and so i'm going to live those out as a teacher i'm going to yeah. live them out as i run a business um, that's kind of where i see the future growth going
1: it's it goes back to the thing that you know your focus is not growth. Your focus is health, and healthy things grow. Yeah, yeah, healthy things grow. So, um, is this a model? And I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is this a model that would work in other cities? And do you have do you have kind of a side goal of helping people like a young Alec Lemon in Cleveland or Phoenix or pick a city somewhere grow something like this? Yeah. Um,
0: you know, we, TOCA, so TOCA is only in Kansas city right now where our only focus is here. Um, and I, I don't know if I really see it kind of expanding that way through, through the TOCA brand kind of expanding to other places, but really what was important to me when we first started TOCA was we worked with Ryan Kraskowski at community for coaches. And so that is a ministry or an organization that, that helps coaches with their why, What's your why? How do you create values? How do you live out your purpose? How do you create sort of a solid foundation for your coaching philosophy? And so Ryan worked with me. And then when I was kind of struggling with, you know, the first year we started the club, I was kind of almost burned out from like, oh my gosh, so much to do so much going on. Cause we went from zero teams, no coaches to like six coaches and 13 teams, just like that basically in one tryout, you know, we just, exploded the first year, which now 13 versus 50, it seems like not that big of a deal, but it was when you're at zero and then you go to 13, it's a lot. And so I worked with Ryan because he was kind of like, Hey, let's take a step back here. Yes. You're running around doing all these things, trying to manage the business side of the club, but why are you doing this? What's going to help keep you focused and stable. And so I think that's really where I see the expansion in the model um, expanding out to soccer and other sports is really helping leaders and coaches and organizations um, anchor their why, you know, Simon Sinek talks about like, you know, start with why, and that's a really famous book and he's a really important. And he was influential for us as well. For me, what's important though is a why has to be based on helping you establish like an objective standard, and it needs to be true. It needs to be time-tested truths. Like you could have a why that you're passionate about that is about being the best and winning. Like I coach to win everything, right? That could be your why, but you know what? I think that's a bad why. I think that's a why that's built on sand and it's, it's not going to um, help you survive in the storm. You know what I mean? And so, you know, Jesus talks about this analogy of, um, two men built a house, one built it on sand and one built it on a rock. And when a storm came, the one on sand was destroyed. And a lot of institutions and organizations are getting destroyed because they either don't have a a why that's based on a rock um, or they have a, they have one, but then they didn't really anchor the house to it. They didn't really commit to it. it. It looks good. It's this great vision statement or mission statement, but, They, on practical application, like they're not really using it as a guide. It's not a guardrail for them. It's not actually changing their behavior. It's not anchoring them. It's just over here, it's not something that sounds good, you know, but that actual process of having your values, making sure those values are solid. They're real, they're stable, they're time-tested. They're not just trendy. And then are you, have you actually anchored the house to it? Like, if we have more institutions that do that, more coaches and people that do that, then, yeah, they can, I think, create really amazing youth sports organizations that have a deep and lasting impact on their cities. Um, And so, yeah, for me, like, I would love to help. I love helping coaches with that. You know, it doesn't matter if they're soccer or whatever sport, like um, I enjoy doing what Ryan did with me, which is just coming alongside someone and mentoring them as they, they want to grow their organization.
1: So. And I know that you're actively involved with community for coaches. One of the leaders in that it, you kind of answered this question, but why does community coaches fit for you both as the leader of TOCA and personally? Um, say that one more time. Well, you've, you've kind of answered it, but just, I wanted to maybe have one summary statement. Why does community for coaches and what it stands for and helping coaches discover their why, why does that fit you both as a leader of TOCA and personally?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really helping coaches be transformational, you know, as a coach where, you know, the players you have, it's helping you be that coach that, That the players come back 10, 20, 30 years later and say, like, I didn't realize this at the time, but like the values you taught me, the way you invested in me shaped who I am as a person. It was transformational for my character. You know what I mean? And so I think that's that's kind of the bullseye for community for coaches is helping coaches have a transformational impact on their players, families and community through just clarity around what's the most important thing. And that's the thing in sports, like, because we have a scoreboard up, you know, on, on the field, we tend to think that's the most important thing. I think scoreboards are important. I think that's part of the objective of the game. I think that's sort of like, if you take the scoreboard away, I think we're kind of destroying the context and the environment of what's why, why, why we play sports a little bit. Like it's important to keep score and to have a winner and a loser, but ultimately that is, that is the point of sports, but not the purpose, right? The point is to win. Like that's why you play, you're trying to win, but the purpose is something deeper. The purpose is how it's shaping who you are as a person and who you're becoming, you know? And so when I was getting burned out, one of the big things for me was I don't, know if succeeding in soccer is going to help me become the kind of person I want to become. I felt like it was making me a worse person, you know, it was making me obsessed about the wrong things. And so I was like, I don't like who I'm becoming as I pursue kind of athletics, but if, but that's not the way it has to be right. Sports can be about making you a better person because that's, that's what it should be about. And it's purpose, but yeah. But the point is still because the point and there's a scoreboard there, it can be we can get that confused. We can get that disoriented. We can get a little disoriented in the process. And so, yeah, community for coaches helps coaches of all levels and sports, you know, figure out what's most important in life and teach that to their kids.
1: And right, I want to go back to the, the three boys uh, who were 11, 12 years old when when you first uh, your first excursion into the inner city. You said all three of those boys are in college, which in and of itself is pretty amazing. Um, but just talk about those three boys and what they're doing now.
0: Yeah, so they're all in college. Um, so Don, um, he's at Johnson County Community College there um, and just, uh, yeah, doing college. He, you know, for all of them, actually none of them are playing soccer in college. Um, but you know what? That's That wasn't the point or the purpose to begin with. So I think they were actually all good enough to play. They just ultimately kind of decided to focus more on their academics. And that's great. you know. So Don's at at Johnson County. Um, Promote is in Ohio. He's doing um, a junior college there. And he's also doing an apprenticeship for an HVAC um, company. So he's basically apprenticing to, to start his own HVAC company. Um, which is really cool. he really likes working with his hands and stuff and so um, so he's doing that and then Sanjok is at Ohio State. Um, I think he's doing kind of like a more of an engineering focus um, working towards that kind of a, a focus and they're all doing they're doing great you know they have their own um, they're all very talented leaders in their own way but they also had a lot of things to overcome so I'm I'm super proud of them, you know, and, and probably another thing that's really cool to say is because of what they did in helping start teams in the inner city, there's over 15 kids that are playing, actually playing soccer in college, um, because of them. And so that's actually a part of their legacy too, is while they aren't playing necessarily soccer at the moment, they still play, um, for fun with their friends and they still do their Nepali, you know, national team stuff. Um, but there's other kids that are, that were maybe a little more talented um, soccer wise that are playing in college and, and, but they're playing because of these three boys.
1: And the really cool thing about this, as you said, the goal was not to teach them soccer so they could get out of the, out of the inner city so they could make a name for themselves by playing soccer. It was to, it was to invest in their lives. And now you've seen the fact that, that they're all successful away from the pitch. And you notice I use the right soccer term there Yeah. <laughs> away from the pitch. They're successful in a different way. That's got to make you feel about as good as anything you've done. doesn't it?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's the bigger thing is like, does this translate? You know, because a lot of, I like to say kind of like everyone dies a soccer death, so to speak, everyone ends their career as a, as a soccer player. And the question is, is what are you taking with you? Do you get to take your trophies with you, your plastic trophies or your medals? Like, does anyone even really care that you won some tournament or whatever when you're at your job as a lawyer or a doctor or whatever? Like, those things really don't matter. You know what I mean? Um, They really don't. Uh, But the, the character you formed as through sports, like that does translate to your job as a lawyer or a doctor or a teacher or a coach or whatever it is that you decide to do. And so there's, there's another saying I like to use, which is basically Jesus says like, there's some who are last who will be first and some who are first who will be last like at the end. And I kind of think about that in sports. There's some people who are first in sports. They're the most talented athletic kid, you know, all growing up and played at the highest level, but they sometimes leave sports having gained no real character in the process because maybe it was too easy for them or it was kind of, they were used to kind of having everything given to them on a silver platter. And so they get into real life in a different job. They're not as talented. They don't know how to work through that to actually succeed. And so they, they end up in a sense um, in a worse off place when they enter life after sports. Right. And then there's some who were kind of last in sports. They were like the bottom of the team, but they were working, they were grinding, they were giving their best. And so when they enter real life, even though they weren't maybe super successful in the sport, they're ready to be successful in real life. You know, and it can be both. You can be really successful in sports and then also really successful in real life because you develop the character. But the question is, what are you you have to focus on what you can take with you once you're done not what is only valuable in this temporary state of, you know, the sports environment is, is sort of a, it's, 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 it's not um, forever, you know, it's temporary. And so you have to focus on what's important. So it's exciting to see. I'm really actually glad that for those boys, like they've kind of died their soccer death to some extent. They're not like trying to become pros anymore. You know, they're playing out of enjoyment but the key leadership lessons they learned they're beginning to apply them in their real life. And that's the point.
1: So that's the purpose of it. So, all right, wrap up with a couple of things. Uh, The the core values of TOCA faith, family, and football. And your faith is very obvious. Uh, Talk about your family. Uh, You know, I know you came from family, six kids, talk about your parents, your beautiful wife, just talk about your family.
0: Yeah. Um, So yeah, as you said, come from a big family. Um, So I have four brothers and one sister, um, and love all of them. I consider my siblings like my best friends. Um, So I don't know, that's not something everyone can say, Um, but I really appreciate that I can pick up the phone and call any one of my siblings and feel like they'll listen, they care, and they would help me if I needed help you know? And so I'm very appreciative of that. So, um, my parents, um, were, were great parents. My, my dad actually just passed away, um, this last July, um, which was pretty hard. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, I mean, a lot of things to be thankful for. So you try to focus on that. Um, but, but it, so that's been tough for all of us. But uh, my mom's a trooper, and um, is her faith is kind of keeping her strong, and she's got lots of kids to support her, and so it's it's good. Um, And then my wife um, been married for six years, seven years, seven years. Got that? Sorry, (laughs) seven years. Um, It's been wonderful seven years. So very thankful for her Um, and. Yeah. And then I have lots of kids that I coach. So those are my kids. There so you go. I,
1: appreciate All right. I, I like to wrap up with this question for everybody and and you probably see it coming and, you know, you've listened to a few of the podcasts, so you know, it's coming. So you're pro- you probably have an answer ready. What is your legacy?
0: You know, <laughs> I didn't know it's coming, but it's kind of still a hard question because, you know, um, I'm really feel like I'm still just getting started, you know? And so what is my legacy? It sort of seems a little bit arrogant to be like, this is going to be my legacy, you know, (laughs) but um, yeah, I mean, I think it's simple in the sense of uh, I guess I just want to be known as someone who lived by the values that they talked about, you know, Um, and, and modeled that to other people, you know? Uh, So, I mean, my, my, I guess I haven't shared my coaching purpose statement, but I think it's connected to that. So my coaching purpose statement, my why is, you know, I coach to inspire kids to become men and women of excellence and strength that lead others with mercy and grace. And so I think, I think my legacy would be connected to that um, in the sense of it's about living out that, that why and that purpose statement, you know, and that, and that comes from, um, you know, Abraham Lincoln has a quote that says, there's nothing so strong as gentleness um, and so, the idea that that true strength is um, kind of being that uh, a gentle, caring, strong person who's, whose strength is anchored in their values, you know. But they're committed to those values. They're strong in them. But there's a sense of gentleness and compassion. And so, I would want to help my players that I coach understand the core essence of what that what true strength is. It's a values based you know commitment and and you stick strong to those values but you have mercy and grace you know and it's, it's also based in what what it says in Psalm 85 which is basically this idea of like talking about salvation how does salvation come it says mercy and truth have met together grace or yeah truth mercy and truth meet righteousness and peace have kissed so this idea of like salvation or um, at that moment of transformation is when mercy and truth meet. And those are kind of opposite ideas, right? Opposite ideas of like, um, you know, excellence and mercy. They seem sort of opposites, like mercy would, would lead toward this idea of kind of being forgiving and compassionate, but these two actually don't have to be opposites. They actually are important for real transformation is to be committed to both the truth, but then to also have mercy, to be committed to being righteous and a righteous life, but then also having peace with others and pursuing kind of relationships where there's peace. And so there's sort of a a paradoxical balance between kind of being excellence focused, but also being compassionate and gracious, being strong, but then also being merciful. Like we, we have to have a balance of these virtues. If we don't, we're gonna get off. Like if we're just, you know, if I did inner city work where we were just always compassionate and compassionate and gracious, but we didn't hold the kids accountable, we didn't ask them to step up, like that wouldn't be the best thing for them. Like we need them to pursue excellence and to take responsibility. But then we also need to have compassion, that there are some unique struggles that make it hard. And it's like, okay, let's work through this, you know? And so I think that's, that's kind of the embodiment of what the Christian faith should be, which is both um, um, righteousness and truth, but also compassion and forgiveness and grace. It's both, it's both. It's not one or the other, it's both, you know? And so I think we need, we need more leaders like that in our world that, don't just pick one virtue and live it to the fullest. They actually try to find those kind of the balance of those and try to be full of both mercy and grace and righteousness and truth. They're full of both, not just, you know, lopsided, you know.
1: Great stuff, my friend. It's always good to catch up with you. And I appreciate you spending the time uh, with us on the podcast today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was awesome.
0: Thanks for listening to Sports Connections with David Smale. Make sure to subscribe, follow, and rate the show from your favorite podcast platform. You can learn more about David Smale and his work by visiting davidsmailbooks.com. Don't forget to join us weekly for new episodes. Until next time.